How many of you have your Bibles tonight? How many of you got your Bibles tonight? Amen. Would you open your precious Bible tonight to the book of Philippians chapter 3? And I want to bring a message being the very first Wednesday of 2024. As I look back over 2023, we've seen some great blessings. Um, you know, uh, I just happened to look just a moment ago, walking through the door, Mr. Stone come walking through there, smiling from ear to ear. And uh, he's a blessing. Uh, God did a great miracle and a great work in his heart and in his life physically. And then through him, he did miracles in a lot of people's life, gave all of us hope. And I hope and pray, seeing God work, that we know that we have a God that hears and answers prayer. And he uh, has done what we believe throughout this past year, uh, something that only God can do. He's worked miracles in the lives of people. And he's done wonderful things. We've seen him save people this year, this past year. We've seen people's lives changed because of the Lord. And so we've seen a lot of wonderful things, haven't we, in 2023. And uh, I want to bring a message just simply on this. 2024, I want to see more. Some of you aren't alive tonight. Let's try it again. 2024, I want to see more. Don't y'all? I don't want the status quo. Now, I'm going to fair warn all of you, I am going to be doing some serious pastoral preaching in the month of January. Now, I don't know what all that means other than I got some burdens on my heart. And I want to be a blessing. I want to be a help. I want to be an encouragement. And I want to share with you from my heart. And one of the things that I want to say to you is we all have to be careful, especially us that have been saved a long time. Because if we're not careful, we will get stagnant. We will think we have arrived. And we will settle in on our leaves. And that is a very dangerous place to be and I hope and pray God will stir all of our hearts and that's what I'm praying I want to see more in 2024 I want to see what God can do and so let's look in Philippians chapter 3 I really should only read a few verses but really I can't help it let's just look at the first beginning of the chapter we'll read through verse 14 verse 1 I can't help but read this, and I think of B.R. Lakin when I hear this passage being read uh, because he preached a very famous message out of this passage. And when I hear this first few verses, I think of him. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. That's why you should never get tired of hearing the same things. It's safe. Verse 2, beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. So we know that there's evil workers. We've got to beware. Be on the lookout. Verse 3, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Now, here's why he doesn't have confidence in the flesh. Notice what he says. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath, whereof he might trust in the flesh, he said, I'm more. 
He said, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteous which is in the law, blameless, but what things were gained to me, those I counted laws for Christ. Now here's what he said. He was, he was not boasting, but he was kind of giving a, uh, his, his repertoire. He was giving his uh, list of things. If anybody had a reason to boast in the flesh, Paul said, I do. He said, I was the stock of, I'm telling you what, he said, I was the stock of Israel. He said, I was of the tribe of Benjamin. He said, I was a Pharisee. I was full of zeal. He said, I knew everything. I was somebody that was really something. So he said, if anybody had a reason to have confidence in the flesh, he said, I did. But he's noticed what he said. But he said, verse 7, but what things were Gain to me those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win cross. Look at that strong language. He said, in other words, all those things that I thought was worth something, he said, I look at it now like refuse. That's how important it was to him now. And by the way, when we get to the place of where we get, when our relationship is to the Lord the way it ought to be, that's the way we look at other things too. Notice what the Bible says, verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained. Either were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do. I want you to mark it. But this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Here it is. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray you'll help us speak to our hearts now. In Jesus' name, amen. Now this year, we must go forward. This year, 2024, we must have the same attitude, the same dogmatic attitude that the Apostle Paul had in verse 14. He said, I press toward the mark. Listen, church, we must go forward. Listen, God has been good, hasn't he? He's been good. God has blessed us. I mean, my soul here, after a while, the first part, the last part of this uh, this month, we're going to always have our yearly meeting and we'll give everyone a financial statement. And I want you to know something, not just financially, that's one of the ways he's blessed. It amazes me how God blesses his work. He's been good to us. And by the way, we've not been in the greatest year of economics either. Somebody say amen. But see, it's not all about us, it's about him. God has been good. He's blessed. And by the way, he's blessed even in spite of our shortcomings. He's blessed even in spite of our sins. He has blessed even in spite of our weaknesses. Aren't you thankful? I want you to know, so I don't know about you, but I want to see and I want to experience more in 24. Appreciate the two. Let's try it again. 
I don't know about you, but me, I want to see more in 2024. So I want to be around the spout where the glory comes out. I want to be in a place in my life that I can receive and see and experience the blessings of God. So let's be reminded of some things. In our own personal lives, if we're going to move forward, these are simple, quick. Number one, very simple. We better find something we're dissatisfied with. You say, what, pastor? I thought you said we got to move forward. Yes, so if you're going to move forward, you're going to have to find some dissatisfaction. What do you mean, Pastor? Look at verse 13. Here's what the Apostle Paul said. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. You know what he meant by that. He said, I haven't arrived yet. Now, I don't know about y'all. I've walked around with some Christians before, and I just get the notion that they think they've arrived I've been around Christians like that. Boy, they think they've arrived. They know it all. They don't need to hear anything else. They can tell you before you tell them. Boy, the Apostle Paul said, I want all of y'all to know. He said, I've not arrived. He said, I have, look, he said, I have not counted myself to have apprehended. In other words, he said, you know what? I think he was probably one of the greatest Christians that ever lived. And I'm going to tell you why he never stopped learning. He never stopped growing. He never got to a place. He just said it. If anybody had a reason to have confidence in what they had done and who they were, it was Paul. But he said, I want y'all to know, ladies and gentlemen, I've not arrived. In other words, he said, I'm not satisfied with my spiritual life. You want to move forward? Then you better be dissatisfied about your spiritual welfare or where you are right now. Say, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, I think all of us can get closer to the Lord. I think all of us can grow in our spirituality. I believe all of us can grow that we may know Him better. See, how many of y'all like to cruise control? Now, when you put your cruise control on the the interstate, it's a pretty good thing. You don't have to really touch the gas. All you got to do is step back. You can relax. But in your Christian life, it's deadly. I'm going to be honest with you, church, I'm seeing way too many Christians, they're in cruise control. They're too comfortable. God's not pleased when we're just coasting in our Christian life. Where's the fire? Where's the zeal? Where's the excitement? No, we're just comfortable. I've I've heard all that, Pastor. I I can give you a Bible lesson on that, Pastor. I don't need a Bible lesson. By the way, I don't need to give you a Bible lesson. What we need to start doing is doing what the Bible teaches. I'm around people all the time. Oh, I know that, Pastor. I've heard that, Pastor. Or they want to break all that down and tell me what that verse means. Well, the truth is, he doesn't want us to coast in our Christian life we got to be dissatisfied. Now, for a church to go backward, you don't have to go backward. I don't have to go backward. Listen, look, the only thing that makes a church go backward, the only thing, it doesn't require people to go backward. It just requires, if we want to go backward, then that means we just got to stand still. Have you found a comfort zone in your spiritual life? You better not. If you're comfortable where you are spiritually, you're in danger. I'm throwing a warning sign out to you and me. We better not get comfortable in our spiritual life. No, I'm not talking about contentment. 
Bible tells us that when it comes to materialism, godliness with contentment is great gain. But I'm not talking about materialism. We ought to be content with the material things that we have. But that's not the same as being content in our spiritual life. We can never get satisfied with our spiritual life. We better stay dissatisfied. If you're going to move forward, you're going to have to, get, you're going to, have to find some dissatisfaction. And here's the attitude to have, however. Here it is. Well, I read my Bible a lot last year. Well, you didn't read it enough. And, I, and I've got word for every parent here. I, I've got some words for y'all. And I, I'm, this is out of experience. This isn't because I know it all. I'm going to tell y'all right now, and I'm just going to be honest with you, we did a lot. I ran my mouth a lot. There probably wasn't a time that I picked my children up from school that they didn't get some type of a life lesson. I preached to them. It might not have been a sermon, but we were always talking about the Lord. We always took the opportunities in life to teach things. I I might not have taught my son very well how to ride a bicycle, but I'm going to guarantee you one thing. I taught him a lot about spiritual things, and it was something that was important. But I want you all to know something now. I want you to know something. Didn't do enough. Didn't do enough. If I had it to do over with, I'd have drove them more crazy. I would have said more. I would have cried more. I would have prayed more. I would have read my Bible more. I would have given little sermonettes more. I would have shared my heart more. Sometimes we get worried. Well, what's so-and-so going to think? Well, I would rather err on the, on the positive than the negative. I'd rather them get mad at me for saying too much spiritually than not enough. I'd hate to think someone would pull on me. Well, Pastor, you never told me that. I'd rather someone say, oh, I was told. I just didn't listen. Hey, listen, I want you to know something. I want you to know you ought to be dissatisfied as a parent. If you think you've done enough, do it again. You think you've read the Bible to them enough, do it more. If you think you've prayed enough for your children, you haven't. Be dissatisfied. You read your Bible a lot last year, read it more. If you think you've prayed enough last year, you need more. If you think you gave a lot last year, you need to give more. If you think you prayed enough last year, you need to do more. I need to do more. Listen to me. If we thought we worshipped a lot last year, this year we should do more. Dissatisfied. See why? Why do we get, y'all ready? I'm just going to speak frank with you. Y'all know why we get satisfied? I'm going to tell you why. Because we start comparing ourselves to other people. That's what we do. I know what we do. We start comparing ourselves maybe to someone that's not progressing very good. But my, my question is this. When we compare ourselves to others, we're not making, it's maybe not making good progress. When has inferior things been our standard? Can I, can I humble all of us tonight? How about we compare ourselves to the Apostle Paul? He said, and I don't believe you could have touched the man's body without touching a wound. He was scourged three times. Our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, was scourged once. 
He was beaten with rods. He was found in shipwrecks. He was trying to get his fire started. A snake bit him. By the way, a poisonous one. People was out to kill him. They stoned him. And here he said, in my body I bear the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't see anybody comparing themselves to him. And even greater, who's our greatest comparison? Are we Christ-like yet? Oh, I want to promise you this. We'll get dissatisfied in our spiritual life if we're comparing ourselves to our Savior, the Lord Jesus. If we're not careful, we can allow ourselves to get to the point of complacency. We get beat down with the woes of life, the failures of yesterday, the struggles of life. Listen to me. We must stay dissatisfied of our spiritual lives. Number two, find some dissatisfaction. But number two, find some devotion. Look at verse 13. Here's what the Bible says. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Now, this one thing I do, that's one of the most important phrases of this whole passage. I thought, to that self-righteous rich young ruler, you know what Jesus said to that young man? He said, there's one thing thou lackest. To the busy Martha, and by the way, I'm going to preach on this later on this month. To the busy Martha working in the kitchen, and she was criticizing her sister because she was worshiping the Lord Jesus. Here's what Jesus said to her. One thing is needful. So he said to the rich young ruler, one thing thou lackest to Mary, to Martha. He says, one thing thou is needful, worshiping him. And then Psalm 27, 4, David said, One thing have I desired of the Lord. And then in this passage of Scripture, the Apostle Paul said, This one thing I do. You know what that is? That is a statement of devotion. If there's one thing, he said, If there's one thing I'm going to do in this life, he said, I want you to know something. I'm devoted to the Lord. Here's what he's saying. His Christian life is not a compartment life. It's not compartmentalized. Now listen, I know I'm speaking to people tonight that probably is struggling with this in their life because I want y'all to know something. I lived it my whole entire uh, teenage years. Till I was 21, the Christian life for me was a church life. It was compartmentalized. My school life was different my work life was different. My home life was different. But boy, I knew when to come to church. And when I came to church, that's when I gave it to the Lord. Listen to me. Paul said, no, 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 no. My life is not, Jesus is not in a compartment. He is my life. See, a wheel has many spokes. Just like we have many spokes in our lives. Think about it now. Some of you have school. We all have work. We have home life, we have social life, we have all these hobbies, family life. we got all these spokes, and none of those spokes really have anything to do with one another. You see, Jesus don't want to be one of them spokes. I want to tell you all right now, Jesus deserves to be the hub. Because out of that hub is where everything else flows. Amen? He's not a compartment. We should be devoted to him. He is our life. Some people think it's strange. Every decision should be made based on him, not everything else. That's why I know people don't understand me. But I tell families all the time, you better be careful where you send your child to school or where they want to go to school. I'm just being honest. Because they're looking for an education. But I'm going to tell you right now, that education is not going to help them if their spiritual life goes to pot. 
So the first thing I'd be looking for, if I'm going to send them off to a school, I'd make sure there's a good church there. Why? Spiritual life first. We don't make a move. Someone says, well, why'd y'all move to Chattanooga? I know y'all are going to think this is crazy. I just looked at a map one day and said, man, I've always wanted to live in Chattanooga. You say, well, Pastor Mark, why'd y'all come? I'm going to tell y'all why. The Lord. It wasn't because of a job. Look, he's not a compartment of our life. He is our life. That's why we give these calendars out. I, I'm, now, I know not everybody believes this, but I, you have a pastor that believes this. I think people that belong to a church, everything in a Christian's life ought to revolve around God. That's why we give these calendars out. So we can make plans to things and have to revolve around what does the Lord want us to do. So it's, he, he, we're devoted. If we're going to move forward, we have to be devoted to him. Christianity should not be a compartment of our life. It should be our life. The Lord Jesus is our life. Now, there's a difference between an amateur and a professional. Now, we all understand this. An amateur does things from time to time. They do it in spurts. That's an amateur. But you know what? A professional devotes his full time. It's his life's work. And by the way, we ought to be professional Christians. You'll never be effective for the Lord by attending church and being involved in the ministry in spurts. Let's become a church of devotion with a professional mindset, 24-7, full-time job, this one thing I do. This one thing I do. Let's find some devotion. Number three, let's find some directions. Quickly now. Look at verse 14. Forgetting those things which are behind. Now here's what I'm going to preach to me. In 2024, we need excellent vision. We, we need excellent vision. And, and that means that we're not looking backward. Look at me. The past is the past. God help us. The Bible tells us no man putting his hand to the plow, looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. So I'm going to give you a few things we can't look back at. And look, I'm preaching to me. We cannot look back to past sin. Listen, man, Brother Larry, we was at that prayer meeting that day at the prayer, the prayer breakfast, and he brought that up. And man, I'm being honest. Now, you know what I'm talking about. If, when you sin, I'm telling you right now, it's hard to forgive yourself. But listen to me. Have you asked God to forgive you? And have you confessed that sin? Look at me. He's forgiven you. He's forgiven you. And by the way, he's forgotten it. Now I know we don't have the capability of forgetting things, but I'm going to tell you something right now. We will not move forward, listen to me, until we believe that God has forgiven us. And we claim it. We can't keep looking back at past sin. He forgives it. We must too. Let me tell you this too. It is Satan in which reminds you of your sin anyway. It's not God. So when you think of it, just say, Lord, thank you for forgiving me the first time. Don't look back. 
Don't look back in past sin. Because look, if you're going to look back in past sin, you're going to stay defeated and you're not going to look forward. And by the way, don't let other people do it to you either. You hear me? Don't let other people do it. Because I'm going to tell you, there's some unkind people in church. And they don't understand the concept of forgiveness. And they're sitting there in their self-righteousness. But you know what? You can't let that get you down either. Because you have to realize God has forgiven you. So don't look past sin. Look, no looking back at past failures. You said, Pastor, you just said past sin. It's different than past failures. Listen, different than past sin, you only fail when you stop trying. Hey, a just man falleth what? Seven times and riseth up again. Hey, there's going to be failure. You're going to fail. You failed in the past, but we can't let our failures define us. We've got to keep trying. Success is getting up just one more time than what? Then you fail down. You say, oh, well, Pastor, I'm going to tell you right now, man, I got up. I tried to give a devotion at my house, and, man, it was a failure. Well, you might think it's a failure. It probably wasn't. You need to keep trying. You say, oh, Pastor, I tried to teach a lesson, or maybe I, I, I tried to teach a lesson to kids, and, oh, it just didn't. No, you might have thought it was a failure. You just keep trying. Don't let the past define you. Can I say this? Don't, don't look back at past bitterness. You won't move forward. If anyone could be bitter in the Old Testament, it was Joseph. He was betrayed by his brothers, but he realized, he said, what you meant unto evil, God meant unto good. He forgave his brothers. We cannot look in the past. Could have said, I'm in this situation because of you boys. You're my brethren. You're my own flesh and blood. You've done this to me. didn't do it. He got past the bitterness. Don't look back. Don't let past bitterness destroy you moving forward. And don't say you can't forgive, because listen to me, you can. It's Here it is, you won't. It's not that you can't, you won't. God will help you forgive. Remember, bitterness never hurts the one you're bitter toward. Bitterness always turns on its creator and poisons them. Here's the last one, and i got, I got to hurry. No looking back at past events. Now, I put beside this longingly, because this is me. (laughs) Listen, me and my wife, my family, we've taken some long strolls down memory lane during the Christmas season. I love doing it. Especially Christmas time. It's been fun. And look, I can learn from the past. I get emotional about the past. And man, but I'm going to be honest, if you don't have the right view of that stuff, you won't propel forward. You'll just be living in the past. And I, I, I listen to me, church. I'm confessing sin there, man. I get just, man, I get all, when I think about the past and the way things were, I can get extremely discouraged. But listen, here's what God's helped me. Good or bad, we love to reminisce of the good old days. Okay, but we can't dwell on them. And here's why. We need to let us learn from the past. But we can't dwell on it. For instance, you ever heard someone say, oh, those were the good old days. I remember back when the church, man, people were coming forward and, man, the buildings were full. And by the way, I'm thankful for that. But what about now? We talk like God can't do it no more. 
Look, we're going to look back at the past and reminisce and longingly think about those things. Let it give us lessons. Let us learn from it. But let's not dwell on it. Oh, those were the good old days, Pastor. But what are we now? Hey, so God has proven that he can do great things. But let's be aware. Let's learn from that God can do it again. And here it is. If only we'll follow him now. Listen, the fields are white into harvest. We're in a good place. We're in a good field. We, there's a lot of people around us that need to get saved. Let's get busy. Oh, well, Pastor, I'll tell you right now, when they used to come to Tiftonia. Now, by the way, I want to say this. I, I want to say this. But Jesus said to look on the fields white in the harvest, those who aren't yet saved, who haven't darkened the door. Now, listen. I know it's negative. I know it's discouraging to dwell on someone that we miss. It's not here. I do it. There's people that if I sit and dwell on it, I'll get discouraged. But instead of sitting there getting discouraged, man, I can think of, since I've been here in 15 years, I can think of hundreds that used to be right here. I mean, right here. And many of them, man, I mean working. I mean serving in the bus ministry. I mean busy. But if I sit and dwell on that, I'll get discouraged. I love them and we pray for them. It ought, to, it ought to motivate us to pray for them. But here, look, we know it's discouraging. It's negative to, to miss and to dwell on someone that we miss who's not here. It's painful. By the way, it's painful to lose anybody. I don't think anybody's more painful in a church than the pastor when somebody leaves. That's painful. But even worse is what will result if we dwell on it. What about others that God will bring into our lives? Not forgetting those in the past, the ones we love, sir. Look, we love when people get right and they get back and get with the Lord and they start coming here or they start coming to another church. We rejoice. We ought to pray for them. But I'm saying we can't let that affect our future. We get so discouraged. Well, I'm not going to invite anybody else to church because the ones we invited, they came and broke my heart and didn't come back, so we're just not going to do it anymore. We can't have that attitude. So he said, no looking back. So we got to find some direction. We can't look back. We got to look forward. We got to move forward. And then as I close, we got to find some determination. What's it take to stop you? Look at verse 14. I press toward the mark. He said, I'm pressing, boy. He said, I'm I'm pressing. I'm going to make a covenant with y'all tonight. I hope you'll make one with me. I'm going to make a pledge tonight. I hope you'll make it with me. I think it's the same thing the Apostle Paul said right here. I press toward the mark. By God, here's my, here's my pledge. By God's grace, I pledge. We need to pledge to focus on the goal this year. And we need to die trying if necessary to go forward for God in this new year. That ought to be our goal. Go forward 
for him. What are you going to do this year, Pastor Mark? I'm going to go forward for God. What's Tiftonia Baptist Church? We're going to press toward the goal. We're going to go forward for gold. We're going to go forward. I press toward the mark of the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's what I'm pressing for. I'm going to go for God this year. How many of y'all want to go for God this year? And I got news for everybody. If you'll, just like we sung, Brother Nate led us in that. If we'll seek first the kingdom of God, guess what? Everything else will be added on to us. Here's where we get in trouble. We seek everything else. We say, Pastor, how would my children be successful? For them to go for the goal, to seek God this year? You say, well, does that mean he'll take care of everything else? That's God's promise. I wonder, we need a real revival in the Christian life. I mean families, parents, that you get a desire to quit trying to mold your children and make them to do what you want them to do and give them to God. Give them to Him. You just say, Lord, you can have them. And then when they, then when they put you out on a real barrier island, man, and, and maybe your son or your daughter comes back and say, Mommy, Daddy, I want you all to know God's getting a hold of my heart. He might be calling me to preach or he might be calling me to the mission field or, Lord, I don't know exactly what he's calling me to do, but I just want to serve him. Then here's what every wise parent would do. They would flame the fire. Sadly, in the last 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, here's what I've seen. I've seen young men and young ladies go to their parents where they should be spiritual enough to encourage them and flame the fire. And I've seen them go and say, hey, mom, God's really working in my heart. Dad, God's really working in my heart. I don't know exactly what he wants me to do, but I want to serve the Lord. And I even had one young man say I was called to preach and his mother looked at him and said, oh, you can't do that. And that's in a good church like ours. You know what this woman was worried about? She's worried, well, how are you going to make it? How are you going to live? How are you going to take care of yourself? See, here's the problem. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. See, we get scared. We think we know best for our children. No, God's just trained up a child in the way he should go. In the way he should go. Not the way you want him to go. Not the way I want him to go. But in the way he should go. In other words, God has a plan for your child. But he'll never desire that plan if his parents are not wise enough for the goal to be seeking God in the year. So what's our goal? God. You want your child to have a good career? Then let him seek God. God's the goal. Y'all understand me? God's the goal. I pledge to you tonight, by God's grace, by his help, this year I want to live for God. I want to live my goal. My goal of this year is to live for the Lord and to seek God. I want to press after. I want to be determined. How many of y'all with me? Let's ask God to help us. Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to have Brother Jimmy come up here in just a moment. Before we do, though, I'm going to ask, maybe some of you just want to, right where you're at, why don't you just pray? God spoke to your heart tonight. He spoke specifically. As she begins to play something, I'm going to ask you, would you just let the Lord have his way? You pray right where you stand. and Ask the Lord to help you, whatever it is, whatever he spoke to you about.
How many of you want to go forward? How many of you want to press forward? We don't want to stand still. We want to see more in 2024. So there's some personal things in our lives, our lives. No one else can do it, just us personally. We got to get dissatisfied. We got to be determined. We got to be directed. God help us. Brother Jimmy, I'm going to ask. But Jim, I'm going to ask this dear brother to come. He's one of the counselors there. I'm so encouraged. He came to be with Brother Jimmy tonight because he knew this was going to be Brother Jimmy's last service. And this dear man here is a counselor down there and has poured himself into Brother Jimmy. And I appreciate that. I'm going to ask all you men and ladies, whoever would, let's come around Brother Jimmy and let's just make a point of contact. And let's ask God to help him, to strengthen him, give him wisdom, put a hedge of protection around him. God would use him. And I'm going to ask this dear brother to come up behind the pulpit. And I'm going to ask him to just verbally pray for Brother Jimmy and also dismiss us tonight. Let's really ask God to bless Brother Jimmy, use him, encourage him. Put a hedge of protection around him. Now listen, I'm not being ugly. I'm not being scary. But I'm going to tell you right now, the devil wants to get him. You hear me? The devil wants to get him. Am I right, brother? The devil wants to get him, just like he wants to get you. We got to ask God to help him now because the fight's within him and yielding to the Holy Spirit of God. Brother, would you come and pray with us tonight? Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Lord, before I say a word, I want to thank you for sending us your son to come to this earth and live a perfect life so we could be reconciled to you through his death on the cross. Jesus, I thank you for your obedience, your perfection, all the way to the cross so that we could be united with God again. Lord, I thank you for Jimmy and for this church, his church family, being so good to him, loving him, and supporting him. He's been a good friend to me and to everyone that knows him. Thank you, Lord, for going out ahead of him to Arizona to prepare the way. Everything out there that he needs will be covered, Lord. I thank you that you take every year of his life that he feels been wasted and use exactly that to allow him to connect to another hurt man out there, multiple men, and win their souls to you, Lord. Thank you again for Jimmy. Pray for his safe travel out there. Bring him back home safely when he chooses to come back. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.